Here at Doxadeo Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. What an honor to be together starting the new year and uh, we're waiting for the students to arrive and uh, but the rest of us are full of faith for this year and going at full speed. But here's the crazy thing, we are starting with a brand new series which actually introduces the theme of our year which is love. So I don't know if you know but last year we ended off by saying our theme for 2023 is on the theme of love. Who of you love that? Yes. Amen. And all the single men and women says, this year, Lord, this year, the year of love. Someone asked me, I was standing in a group of um, male uh, church members and one guy said, this year, boys, we're going to get ladies. And I said, maybe I shouldn't, you know, (laughs) I have one. Thank you. I'm trying to still, um, you know, grasp the fullness of that. So uh, I'll stick to Jonah this year. Anyway, those of you who are any YouTube followers, YouTube fans in the room, awesome. Those of you who would spend half a minute on YouTube would see these terrible, and I say terrible for one reason, I'm going to explain that now, unboxing videos. Have you seen that? All right. Um, Just a few years back, there were 40 unboxing videos that each got more than 10 million views. Uh, 90,000 searches per month on the internet is for an unboxing video uh, where they, the guy literally just sits there in his mother's apartment and he opens up this new thing. A device, a pair of shoes, a watch, and you watch him. I don't know if you've ever realized open something in his house. That's so sad. And I hate it because my kids love it so much. They watch other kids on the screen take out new toys and play with them. (laughs) It's so sad, but it's silly. But something in us loves the new. We love it. We love, you know, series on making things new. I mean, none of us would watch a series where they take a brand new house and actually try to demolish it and break it down to be ugly and broken. No one would watch something like that. We all watch series where they take something broken, thrown away and beautify it. All of these, have you watched Porn Kings on DSTV? Not porn with a but with a W, where they go and find these old antique stuff and they just pump it up, make it new. Have you watched that? We love making things new. We love new things. Who have you got a proper Christmas present this year? I'm not talking about the socks and the, like I'm talking about like more than a thousand rand gift. Who have you got something proper, like new running shoes or Okay, I missed it. Great. (laughs) I got a kiss for Christmas because we have three kids at the moment. So, (laughs) we love it. Our world says, out with the old, in with the new. We love new things. 
But what about the world? We enter a new year, nothing is new. It's the same old problems. Now, if you traveled outside of Bloom this December, you would have seen that load shedding in Bloom is really not load shedding. Load shedding in Gauteng or in Mossel Bay, that is load shedding, my friends. We had one day where it was four hours load shedding, two hours power, four hours load shedding, two hours power. In Bloom, the guy at St. Lake just forgets Fichard Park sometimes. I just, you know, he obviously is uh, also on a bit of a break, which I think is awesome in Bloom. But I mean, we come back and everything is still the same. You are still the same. Nothing changed over the holiday. You are still the same person. And that frustrates us. When we look at our world, we look at ourselves and we think it's the same me with the same issues, with the same circumstances. Yes, I have hopes and dreams, but I'm frustrated by the old. I want the new. Here's the good news, friends. Jesus is in the business of making all things new. Revelation 21 verse 5. John says, he that is sitting on the throne is saying, I am making all things new. He's taking the old, the broken, and he's in the process of transforming that into something new. We have no idea what that is, but we are seeing the work of Jesus in our broken world, and he started with you. He made your life new and he's busy with that process of transforming you into the same image of the son, Jesus Christ. He's in the business of making things new and the church is called to do the same. We are here, if you don't know it, to make things new in the city. We are here for a reason, to bring the new life of Jesus to our city. You see, Jesus didn't come to just, you know, beautify the old religion of Judaism. No, he came to introduce something new. It's a new creation. It's new life in him. It's nothing like we've seen before. It's a new thing that he are doing, that he is doing in our midst. You see, I didn't speak much English over the holiday. Ach, <laughs> Friends, but what we want to do in this series is actually unpack what we call the power or the essence of what Jesus is doing when he makes all things new. And the power behind this movement of Jesus is one little small word, four-letter word, love. He's using this paintbrush of love to make all things new. I want you quickly to take out your phone or take out your Bible and turn to 1 John chapter 4. And uh, you'll see that I'm going to try and do it a bit differently this year and actually do some, you know, Bible study with you guys as we actually journey through 
scripture. So maybe you guys can turn with me to that scripture and let's unpack what the Bible teaches when it speaks about the theme of love. Let's read it together. Dear friends, and you can follow on the middle screen. I'm going to make some notes. If you want to follow me with that, you're welcome to do so and um, circle certain things in your Bible or if you have a notebook of whatever kind, you're welcome to just make your own notes as well. Dear friends, let us, oops, Wrong app, you see? There we go. See, I'm still fingering out the new. Okay. Dear friends, let us what? Love one another for what? Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been what? Born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because what? God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Listen to this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What's the the main thing about this this portion of scripture, it's this. We are loved by who? God. And we now love. That's the summary of the teaching on love in the scriptures. We are loved by him and that empowers us to love. Let me show you out of the scripture. Let us what? Love one another. That is the command that Jesus is saying in John chapter 13 already. The new commandment. Let's love one another. For love's what? Comes from God. The source of our love is from Him. So this source of love which comes from God empowers the command. Everyone, and now he actually explains how does that work. He says, everyone who loves has been what? Born of God. He speaks on the thing of a new identity. And what? He knows God. He speaks on intimacy. How do you love my handwriting? (laughs) It's terrible. I should be a doctor. Okay. Identity, intimacy equals love. If you are born of God, you have a new identity in Him, and you know Him, you live in intimacy with Him, you will experience that from Him and that will be the source of the way that you love others. And then this crucial, crucial scripture, God is love. Listen to this. Love is not God. Big difference. We don't define God by our understanding of love. It's the other way around. We understand love out of our perspective and our understanding of God. Each one of us express love in certain terms and in certain circumstances. Am I right? Someone comes to you, you give them love. Then they do something stupid and it's difficult to love. Anyone who spent time with family this holiday, and you found it difficult to love your uncle, mother, brother-in-law. Okay. <laughs> mother-in-law. 
Yes, I'm very, very honest about that. Okay, so you see the difference between us and God is this. You see, we are not love, we love. But God is love. Everything that God does, every attitude of God, every idea of God is permeated and filled with His love. His anger is filled with love. His compassion is filled with love. His grace is filled with love. His holiness is filled with love. His mercy is filled with love. His faithfulness is filled with love. Everything that God does is filled with His love. God is love. And it's very important to understand that this year. We don't define God by our understanding of love. God is love. But here's the thing, and this is where Sven Sven is going to help me. (laughs) If this is the truth, that God came to explain love to us through His Son, And this love is unconditional, it's always present, it's perfect love, then people should be flocking to the church. Am I right? This is good news. He wants to come and show you the depth and the width and the breadth of His love. Then the church should be full of people to come and experience and receive that kind of love. But it's not the case. Why? You see, sometime in Christianity, Christianity became a bit of a skew picture and an understanding and a representation of God. And that's where Sven is here. Who of you know that Sven is dead? I can punch him. He does not cry. He's he's really dead. If you look from afar, and believe me, I saw this thing a few times this week in this building. I literally, yeah, anyway, I was very, very scared and afraid because it looks alive, but there's no life in it. It actually, it's made to scare people away. It's got the same outline as a human, but as you engage with it, it actually drives you away. It's a representation of the real thing, but it's a very bad representation of the real thing. And friends, if you follow mainstream Christianity, sometimes we see that in the portrayal of God in what we call Christianity. It's a skew picture. It's a loveless Christianity. It actually drives people away. It scares people away. That's why many young people are leaving Christianity. It's not because there's something wrong with Christianity. It's because the picture that was shown to them is wrong. It's not the real thing. It's a scarecrow Christianity. And it was so interesting this week I did a bit of study on seeing where did we get this? Where did we, where did we go wrong with this, you know? And I literally just went to a, a dictionary of the, 
early Christian beliefs. It's called Bicots. And it's got 700 essays of the first church fathers after the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Jesus, that the first church fathers of the church, after the disciples, they came across 700 topics that these guys wrote about. And you know what is very scary? There was only one of them, of that first few hundred years, that wrote on the love of God. One generation... And the love of God was written out of Christianity. One generation. Only one guy. And all of, you can see in the writings, actually what happened was it was so bad that these guys were fighting with one another over these 700 essays. Wars started out of those fights. And the reason for that is the most important thing was missing in it all. The love of Christ, the love of God was written out of mainstream Christianity. It happened one generation after Jesus ascended. Here's the incredible thing. As a church family, all across the globe, all the doxative churches is saying, Lord, this year we want to rediscover your love. We want to rediscover what it means for me personally, but also how I bring that love to my world. Won't you come on this journey with us? And I'm going to quickly tonight share just three things, how Jesus came to redefine religion for us and redefine what Christianity is all about when He came to start a new movement with a new covenant and He gave us a new commandment. Are you ready? Let's dive into this. A new movement. So in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out over the first 120 believers. They were infilled with His power and they went out from that place and ministered the gospel to the rest of the earth. So it spread so quickly into the Roman Empire that that became the mainstream religion of that specific geographical space. It was the first church was so irresistible in their way of doing life and in their message that many people were added to the church day by day. Acts chapter 2 says uh, Peter preached the, his first sermon. Three, th five, was it 3,000? 5,000. Huh? 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Imagine the admin crisis. With that, you know, all the admin people is like, okay, where do we start? All the B's and the F's on that side, you know, how do we get this figured out? But the, the first church was so, so irresistible, attractive in the way that they followed this person. And why? Why was the first church so irresistible? Was it their message of grace and mercy and forgiveness no, my friend, it was because of the person of Jesus. You see, the church in itself has never been really that attractive. But the person that we are gathering around, he is incredibly irresistible. The person of Jesus 
was so irresistible. You see, people that was not like him, liked him. He liked people that were not like him. It was a whole different life that Jesus came to introduce. It was something so brand new. Why? Because Jesus, says the Bible, we read now in 1 John 4, was the perfect representation of God's love. So the church came to build itself around him who was love in itself. There was a guy by the name of Aristides. He was a famous Greek philosopher in the first century. And he had, he was basically also the lawyer of the Christians at that stage with Caesar Hadrian. Anyone with the name Adrian? Can I see? They spelt your name incorrect, my friend. Sorry, pal. It was with the ha, pal. Hadrian. Okay, Caesar Hadrian had a case against the Christians and this Greek philosopher had to come and defend them to the Caesar. And he wrote a defense or an apology of the Christians in that specific time. And I want to read something of what he wrote. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just listen to how this Greek philosopher experienced the Christians in that specific environment. Listen to this. He says, the Christians, O King, have found the truth. They know and trust in God, the creator of heaven and earth, in whom and from whom all uh, are all things, to whom there is no other God as companion. They do not, listen to this, commit adultery, nor fornication, nor bear false witness, nor embezzle what is held in pledge, nor covet what is not theirs. They honor father and mother and show kindness to those near them. And whenever they are judges, they judge uprightly. Falsehood is not found among them and they love one another. And from, and from widows, they do not turn away their esteem and they deliver the orphans from him who treats him harshly. And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. When they see a stranger, they take him into their homes and rejoice over him as their brother. And they do not proclaim in their ears of the multitudes the kind of deeds that they do, but are careful that no one should notice them. This is a new people and there is something divine with them. What an incredible description of God's people. And as I read it, I mean, something in me is so excited because that is who we are in essence. We center ourselves as a docs of family. We center ourselves around the person of Christ. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. If you want a perfect church, wrong one, really. I can suggest a few others. Don't enjoy them. You'll smash them up. Are we perfect? No. But our heart is that we center ourselves around the person of Jesus Christ, 
who started a new movement of disciples that are filled to the brim with his love. But how is that possible? You see, Jesus came and redefined religion totally. How is that possible? It was possible, and that's the second thing I want to talk about. Not only did he start a new movement, he, gave, he came and established a new covenant. Now, the, the moment I, I say the word covenant, most of us would see in our mind's eye a few people dressed in weird attire around a fire with blood because we're making a covenant. <laughs> You've watched too many movies and zombie apocalypse stuff, okay? This is actually not what the Bible is speaking about. You see, the word covenant and the word contract is in a sense connected to one another, but it's actually not the same. So what is a contract? Who of you uh, uh, took out a Vodacom or um, MTN? That's basically all there is now, eh? Where's LC, by the way? Anyway, let's not get into that. Uh, we shall see, but <laughs> no, this is going to be a long year, people. Who of you took out a contract uh, recently? Can I see? Okay. No money. Obviously, it's the beginning of the year. But the crazy thing is you go and sit in that shop. You uh, give your details to the guy. He checks it on the credit system. It's always very scary when they do that, when they say, I'm going to check your credit score. And I'm like, can I, uh, you know, is there something that I can do to make it better just now, you know? <laughs> and then he checks your credit score and he gives you the contract and he says, sign here. And you read, obviously not through the terms and conditions, you just sign because you don't want to waste your time and his time or wherever he gives you. And, but the, the basic premise of a contract is this, I will be who I promise to be in this relationship if you stay true to who you promise to be in this relationship. However, the moment you deviate from this commitment in this relationship, the contract is violated and the relationship is over. You see, Vodacom will give you grace for maybe a month or two. Then they will give you a letter with red letters written all over it, like pay your freaking account. Then if you still leave it, you probably get a phone call from a debt collector. If you don't do that, you'll probably get a knock on your door. Anyone ever experienced that? I hope not. <laughs> you see, if you do not keep your side of the contract, the relationship is over. A covenant is not like that. A covenant is the following. I will be who I promise to be in this relationship even if you don't stay true to who you promised to be in this relationship. You see, that, my friend, is the new that Jesus came to introduce. You see, the covenant, the new covenant is not between us and God anymore. That was the old covenant. God had a covenant with his people and he was deeply, deeply disappointed. And now in the new covenant, this covenant is between God the Son 
and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and we are the benefactors of that. Jesus came to deal with the consequences of this broken relationship. And now we are under this new covenant even if we don't stay true to it. And maybe when I say that, you say, yes, Eugene, I hear you, but that sounds too good to be true. Where's the catch? You know, where's the fine print of, of this? Even if I don't stay true, God is still gonna be my God. You know why you struggle with that and why I struggle with that? It's because we have been exposed to this kind of Christianity. We are... <laughs> so happy with this kind of Christianity. Why? Because we have the control. If I mess up, I bring my offering. Then Jesus is happy with me again. Then I go and do my life again. And when I, you know, feel a bit far off, then I have the control again to fix what is broken. The new covenant says no. It has already been fixed. It's done. We sang it. It is been done. Listen to what Hebrews 8 says on the new covenant. It says, But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, listen to this, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Sorry, Sven, you're out of here. <laughs> There's a new covenant. We are part of a new covenant. Not only are we part of a new movement and part of a new covenant, but we also received a new commandment. In Luke chapter 10, a teacher of the law came to Jesus and asked him a trick question and says, Lord, just explain to me, what is the Old Testament or the Old Covenant all about? Like, sum it up for me. Who of you are like that, you know? Uh, if you ask a friend, you weren't in class and you ask a friend, you know, just give me the update. You don't want the whole class. You just want the highlights. Just give me the summary. That's exactly what this guy is asking Jesus. Give me the highlights. And Jesus says the following, Luke chapter 10, verse 26. What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the old covenant. 
But then Jesus gave us a new commandment. You see, the old commandments were the Ten Commandments and then the Jewish rabbis put some extras on it and it ended up by over 600 commandments and laws and rituals and I mean these people couldn't like step left or right then they were in <laughs> then Jesus came onto the scene and he gave a new commandment John chapter 13 verse 34 to 35 listen to this a new commandment I give you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What changed? Can you see the difference? I hope you can. The old commandment was love the Lord. With all your heart, all your strength, all your mind. The new commandment is love one another. What changed? The focus of love changed. The old covenant or the old commandment was this pressure to impress God and to love God. The new commandment, Jesus is actually saying, you have received all the love that you can receive. You are loved. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are part of my covenant. Don't try and prove your love to me. It's not about how much you love me. It's about how much I love you. That is what changed. Then you start loving one another because Christ is in all of us. It's the indwelling of Jesus. When you love your brother and sister, you are loving God. That's why Jesus in Matthew said something like, don't come to the altar and come and worship me if you still have something against your brother or even if someone has something against you. That's why the New Testament is very clear on the thing of, you cannot say you love God, but people, ah, yeah, those people, you know, that family of mine or that group of people or my colleagues, you know, my neighbors, you, I love God. Eugene, I am so devoted. Every night, I look up at the stars and I shout, I love you, God. But just don't give me people. Really, really, really. At the campfire, at Clarence, at George, oh, Lord, I love you. But this person, oof, I struggle. The Bible is so clear on this. If you want to love God, start loving people. That's the new commandment. So the focus of love changed, but also the standard of love. The old commandment ended with love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as what? as yourself. That's easy, you know. How I wanted to receive love, I will love people like that. What I think is appropriate, I will love people like that. I am 
the judge of the kind of love and the amount of love that this person will receive. You see, Jesus came to literally redefine the standard of love. Old commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. New commandment, as I have loved you. How did Jesus love you? It was a sacrificial, uncomfortable, costly love. Romans 5 says, while we were still enemies of God, while we were still sinners, Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrated his love towards us. You see, the old commandment, the Jews actually boasted in this, I should only love my neighbor, those that I find easy to love. I've, I love my neighbor as myself. Jesus says, no, as I have loved you, undeserving of it, costly, sacrificial love, Go and love others like that. And then the last thing, the source of love changed. The old commandment says, with your mind, your soul, your strength, with your heart, love. It's a, you know, I should do it. And, you know, with my heart and my mind, I should put all my effort into this. And the new commandment says, as I have loved you. John actually says later in that chapter, he says, we love because he first loved us. My friend, if you ever find it difficult to love, it's not a matter of giving more of your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength to it. That is the old commandment. The new commandment is firstly to receive the fullness of his love over your life. And when you have received the fullness of his love, Romans 5 says the Holy Spirit pours out that love in our hearts. When you have received that, how easy is it to extend it to others with the same love that you have received? You love others. It was actually so funny when we constructed Sven over the holidays. We didn't have those broomsticks, so we took the cross. And it, looked, it really looked a bit weird. <laughs> but actually, Krista and I spoke this week, and it is so significant, significant because the cross represents the end of the striving, trying to please, trying to impress God religion. The cross represents the fact that we are loved just as we are. Before we loved God, we were loved fully. That is the new commandment that we are part of. I want to ask the worship team to join me. We're going to sing a last song. And I want us to respond in this, the beginning of this year by just saying, Lord, this is the year of love. How am I going to tackle this year when it comes to love? First and foremost, my friend, you have to understand 
the depth, the breadth, the length, the whatever height of God's love for you. And when you fully get that, you will see that it flows out in the way that you love others. Won't you stand with me? I want to pray for you before we sing together. I want you to make this a prayer. In the beginning of this year, Lord, pour out your love in my heart. God, we are done with man-made religion. We want to come, Lord, and celebrate the newness of what we have received in you, Jesus. We are under a new covenant by your blood. We have received grace upon grace, Lord. Under your blood. And Jesus, tonight we want to stretch out our hearts. We want to say, Holy Spirit, come and flood our hearts with love tonight. For ourselves and for our world. In the beginning of the year, we want to ask, Lord, make this the year of love for us. May we understand what it means to be loved by you. I wonder, maybe just keep your eyes closed for a moment. I wonder if there's someone here that says, Eugene, this love thing feels too simple. Uh, I thought we're going to get into the meat of Christianity this year. My friend, (laughs) I don't think we're going to get over the love of God soon. Sorry. (laughs) And maybe this year is for you because you still look at a false picture of what love is. God wants to shake your world this year and show you real life show you real love. If you are at that place where you say, Eugene, this year I need God to come and redefine love for me. Won't you quickly put up your hand? You can take it down immediately. I want to pray for you and with you that God would do that in our midst. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for love. That you are love, Lord. Thank you for loving us while we were still sinners, God. And tonight... We open up our hearts. We open up everything that we are, our whole beings for you to come and redefine what love is, who you are for us, God. We want to be part of your new movement under your new covenant. And Lord, let us live your new commandment this year. In Jesus' name we pray that. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.